Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. And we're back! Oh, I hate that voice. I hate your DJ voice. Oh. <laughs> Thanks. Freebie and the bean! Um... <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death, the podcast where my boyfriend makes fun of how he doesn't like my voice. Uh, false. I love your voice. I love hearing you talk. Just your weird, like, Jersey DJ thing. Nope. That is a falsehood. There are... There Wait, no, were there? There are no DJs in New Jersey? Honestly, where I grew up, 100%. spinning all those Bon Jovi and Springsteen records? 100%. Of the radio stations were from Philadelphia. Oh, uh, so it's just a machine. I was going to say, it's just a machine that's like Bruce Springsteen. No, it's Philadelphia. Bruce Springsteen, then Bon Jovi, and then throw Frank Sinatra in there and a Whitney Houston. And we're all happy. Is Whitesnake from New Jersey? I don't think so. Aren't they British? Man of War is from fucking New Jersey. They don't really fit in that little... Yeah, they're the best. No, they were all from Philadelphia. Or as we say, Philadelphia. I fucking hate Philadelphia. Thanks. Apologies to Philadelphia listeners out there. Again, so welcome to the podcast where my boyfriend talks about movies he likes, voices of mine he hates, and my hometown that he hates. I do. It's They're rude. They're very rude in New Jersey. Well, not New Jersey, but in uh, Philadelphia. Mm. So, I'm mm. excited, listeners. This is the David Cronenberg week I've been waiting for. David Cronenberg, um, it's five weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, here's the thing. We started out with Shivers because I wanted to you give you a base. Like, this is his first professional movie. Like, this is kind of where we're starting at. Uh, and then we were like, oh, let's jump to The Brood. It's a very personal film for him. And then Scanners. And Scanners is kind of like the movie that made David Cronenberg a bigger director and he could get bigger names. So that, then we're I jumping. I do believe that the description of Scanner, of last week's episode, it was the first Cronenberg movie to feel like a Cronenberg movie. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we had... Uh, there was something like that. Cronenberg had that Cronenberg feel. Yeah. That Cronenberg feel. Cronenberg feel. So, so am I going to recognize uh, the feel now? Yeah. Uh, what is this week's episode? It had a feel that I didn't want to feel. <laughs> no, um, it did not. So we're at Videodrome, and man, I've been waiting to watch this movie with you. This is the movie that your son asked to watch, and I was like, this movie will fuck you up. Oh. Thank you for say, not letting him watch I it. I didn't then. say the, uh, not exactly like this movie. Yeah, he was like oh, the fourteen-year-old. He was like, "Oh, can we watch this?" And I was like, "Fourteen-year-old mm-hmm. or the ten-year-old?" The fourteen-year-old. I was like, "Maybe your mom and I watch it first, and then we make a decision after that." Because I feel like you're not ready for this movie. Um, All right, we'll find out in the second half. Tell me about so the 1980. What this, this came out? 1983. This is the movie he made. Instead of directing Return of the Jedi. 1983. Um, in 1983, I spent the year 1983 as a three-year-old, but I would turn four at the end. I don't remember anything. I was one. I remember August not. August of 1983. Uh, 1983, when I was a So kid, you spent the most of the year just dating. Yeah. Um, 1983 is commonly in uh, science fiction movie lore known as Return of the Jedi year. Because that's when that Jedi movie came out. out. Mm-hmm. Yay! But in Canada, what was happening? Well, what? Videodrome. Videodrome. All right. So, what was going on? What do you want to know about 1983? I don't know what was going on in 1983. Uh, we, the United States, invaded Grenada. Uh, Grenada. Yeah, that happened. I couldn't even point that out on a map. I could. I mean, I. I'm that's feeling, not. 
good with maps. I'm not proud of that. I'm bad with science and math, but I'm good with maps. Um, I'm not, traditionally. Sally, Sally Ride takes her first space flight, being the first American woman in space. Oh, that's good. Right, 1983. However, um, side note. Side note. Russia did this in 1963. Correct. With... Uh, Valentina Tereskova. Unfortunately, um, during those times, we didn't... I mean, we obviously didn't care about the brown people, but we were at war against the Russian people, so they don't count. No, because my memory is um, bad with this. Sally Ride, she was, was she the one in the Challenger explosion? No, Sally Ride was just the first woman in yeah. space. Uh, you're thinking of... I, I unfortunately do not remember their names. Yeah, I, I just remember... they're a, very famous faces. Yeah, the faces. A, she was like a teacher. Mm-hmm. She was... Yeah. Uh, Reagan announced that the Star Wars missile defense program would be a thing that they would, we would try to do. Do you all know where he got the idea for that? Star Wars? No, from his wife's um, astrologer. Oh, nice. I wish to God I was kidding. Nice. Um, a lot of decisions during the Reagan administration were made through tarot cards, and that is a fact. Uh, Fraggle Rock debuted in 1983. <gasps> I love Fraggle. Uh, Mario Brothers debuted in the form of an arcade machine. My son loves Mario Brothers. They would not become um, home uh, video characters. Not home video characters. It wouldn't be uh, <laughs> on Nintendo until 85, but they showed up in the arcade machines. So it was Mario Brothers. We're not talking about Donkey Kong. Because isn't that Mario and Donkey uh, Kong? Yeah, Mario was, but Mario Brothers. Okay. So the original uh, Super Mario Brothers NES game was a port of the mm-hmm. arcade game. And the arcade game came out two years earlier. Okay, gotcha. Uh, the U.S. Embassy is bombed in Beirut. Ooh. And we get the final episode of M.A.S.H. Oh, that is a wonderful episode. And I heard a weird thing about the final episode of M.A.S.H. Mm-hmm. Did you know it was so, that show was so beloved to a point like we, today with 700 channels and like 40 streaming services, we, we don't have that. Mm-hmm. Like, that level of like everyone. Are you about the same to thing. say the statistics of how many people watched it? No, I was going to say that Alan Alda was once told by um, the guy who ran the sewage, like the sewage and uh, water treatment plant in yeah. New York City, that the commercial break in the middle of the last episode of Mash. So many people in New York City use the bathroom at the same time <laughs> really? because no one wanted to miss the show that it fucked the sewer system up for like a whole day. That's funny. That everyone flushed their toilet at the same time because they were trying to catch the, the commercial. I break. remember reading about the statistics of that and they were insane how many people watched the final episode of MASH. Oh, yeah. I mean, like it was, it's never before, it's, never again it's kind it's of a thing. Crazy. All right. So, but and in this movie, what was going on? What, what you, uh, Who's in this movie? So, before we get to Gunnar Erdholz, I just want to tell you that I'm going to preface this movie right now by saying that Videodrome was, according to Andy Warhol, a clockwork orange for the 1980s. Oh. So, should I go get stoned before I watch it? Because that. that's how I watch take Clockwork Orange. Um, I don't, I see where he's getting that, but it's, it's more of a thematic thing than it is like a, you know, like lawless teenagers. Okay. Uh, but Videodrome is a short movie. It's an hour and 27 minutes. Oh, um, it's like an art house film. Right. It was released February 4th, 1983. It was written and directed, of course, by David Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it stars James Woods as Max oh. Wren. Um, so here you can we, see... We start getting more stars yeah, than you our... you start seeing him use like, people <laughs> that you know. Rather than um, just a guy who owed him a, owed him a favor. Yeah, so J- James Woods, who would be in Vampires and Hercules and Salvador, which is one of the best 80s movies that no one talks about. And he's also the founder of the high school and Family Guy. He's also a crazy conservative. Yeah, but... Okay. Like James Woods High School. Oh, that's right. In Family Guy, yeah. that's where they go to school. So he's the lead. The other lead, the female lead, mm-hmm. is Debbie Harry. From Blondie? Blondie. Yeah. Cool. Um, she plays Nikki Brand. Uh, she's Blondie, and she was in Hairspray and Tales from the Dark Side. So yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. They're the two big names and two leads of this movie okay. for the most part. There's also Is so there many, a bigger cast though? Yeah, there is a bigger it's not just two movies. Two well people, I know, but, but the other people we're not gonna know as well, um, or at all probably. But uh, to round off the cast is Sonia Smith, who plays Bianca Oblivion, um, and she was just on a ton of TV. Nothing major. I like the name Bianca. It seems yeah. like a name that we don't use much anymore. Bianca Oblivion. It's a very eighties like Oblivion? Yeah, that's her character that's, in the movie. Uh, oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, Peter Dvorsky, is, he plays <laughs> Harlan. Um, he was in The Dead Zone for Cronenberg. Uh, uh, Leslie Carlson plays Barry Convex. He's in Dead Zone, The Fly. He's also in... So he's a Cronenberg staple. Yeah, but Cindy. But Josh. Leslie Carlson. Leslie, the Leslie, actor, Leslie. The guy. He's a guy. His name's Leslie. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in A Christmas Story. Who's he play? He is the tree salesman who sells the thing. <laughs> the guy who's what a like... a random small part. The dad. Yeah, uh, and he negotiates with them yeah. on a fucking Christmas tree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, to round off the cast is Jack Crayley, who plays Brian Oblivion, who is, other than this, known for Police Academy 3 and 4... And before we get into talking about this movie, I mm-hmm. want to point out that. one other one other crew member who I think deserves a special shout out at this time. Because we talked about Dick Smith, we talked about um, a, you know, a couple other key collaborators. I want to talk for a second about Mark Irwin. Mark Irwin. He I don't. I'm not familiar with the name. The cinematographer of this movie. Okay. Right? And I believe this is the last movie that we'll talk about him with uh, Cronenberg. Because he was Cronenberg's DP for a long time. Um, <laughs> so he shot Fast Company. He shot The Brood. He shot Scanners. He shoots Videodrome and then um, The Dead Zone and The Fly for Cronenberg. But we're not going to watch The Dead Zone or The Fly yet for this month. Well, that's right. We're saving that. And then he was supposed to do Dead Ringers and couldn't because he had another commitment. And then Cronenberg stepped in and used a different DP. Okay. And then that guy became his regular after that. Um, so this is the last thing Mark Irwin did for Cronenberg that we're going to watch. Um, outside of Cronenberg, you would know Mark Irwin's work for, he shot the, um, the 88 Blob remake. He shot New Nightmare for Wes Craven. Um, he shot Dumb and Dumber. Uh, Kingpin. Oh, I like Dumb and Dumber. I like Kingpin. Old school. Nice. And he shot like 10 episodes of that. Um, I was it on Cartoon Network mm-hmm. on Adult Swim that Black Jesus show <laughs> he shot like 10 episodes of that nice so that's the thing like Mark Irwin if by some chance you hear this know that we love you and thank you for early Cronenberg and shooting Black Jesus because I thought that show was fucking hilarious nice so there you go this movie 
Maybe. See? Josh? Weirdly like the last two is in the Criterion Collection. Why? Like, I think someone at Criterion really fucking likes David Cronenberg. Did like, they... a lot. Hmm. Okay. Um, because... Yeah, there's a few David Cronenbergs in there, and they're very horror light in the Criterion Collection. So, huh? I wonder why. Whether horror light or why it's David Cronenberg. Why? No, why they? Like why they? If they're horror light, like what about David Cronenberg? Makes him their His choice. Movies do seem like art. Hmm. Right. Like a little bit. Like they're not like standard like slashers that would be coming out in the eighties. Like he's definitely playing his own game like like there's no I guess one context yeah quite like him you think about in the context doing. of what else was coming out that makes sense I, I just think it's odd that like there are essentially almost no horror movies in the Criterion Collection yet they just keep putting David Cronenberg movies from the 80s in there and I'm like I'm fine with it keep giving me these beautiful Blu-rays with crazy transfers and like special features but it's just so weird like when you watch this movie Know that at some point someone was like, this is high art that deserves to Criterion be collection. Um, ensconced forever okay. in the Criterion Collection. Um, it's fucking crazy. I'm getting nervous. I'm getting nervouser and nervouser. I know that's not a word, guys. Okay. And who should we look for? Are there any cameos or anything? Like, I mean, Debbie Harry's a pretty huge one. Just keep your eye on Debbie Harry. She's pretty amazing. I usually do. All right, we are at the part of the podcast where Josh shows me a poster, and I'm going to try and figure out the movie's about, and it has literally never worked, but we keep trying. Here we go. This is my favorite segment because you inadvertently write insanely fun movies by your guesses. Video jo- Oh, yeah, that's Debbie Harry. All right. Ugh, okay, let me see. Let me see and then get back to you the mic. dad grunted. I did dad grunt because I was leaning awkwardly because I'm trying to stay near the mic. Okay, Videodrome, first it controls your mind, a shocking new vision. There's a man coming out of a screen that has Debbie Harry's face on it, and then it destroys your body. Hmm. What's funny about this poster is that, you know, it has that. And then at the bottom where it lists, you know, the artists in the typical way, Debbie Harry's name is boxed because she doesn't have top billing. Peter David... And Victor Solinke present a David Cronenberg film, Videodrome, starring James Wood, Sonia Smith, and Box, a, like, around Debbie Harry as Mickey. A film by Peter Dabowski. Like, <laughs> they're really, they're trying to sell it. I think this is going to be a movie about... So, Terry Pratchett has this idea that he uses in all of his books that all the gods of any story or myth are real, no matter how large or small. They're real. They were they were a real being at one point. They When people stop believing in them is when they go away, right? So I think it's going to be about people watching movies, because this is 83, technology's on the rise. So maybe it'll be about movies, or maybe it'll be about scary computers, and people start believing in them so much that they come to life and become like a god, maybe. Maybe I've just been reading too much Pratchett. That might be too. I mean, I'm powering through the Discworld series right now. You're weirdly 
kind of right and then weirdly kind of way off base. It's it's hard to explain. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, so this is obviously a Criterion Collection. I remember it was only a few months ago you got this on Blu-ray, right? Yeah, when we went to Columbus. Yeah. And the Criterion sales, like, we're eventually going to do Cronenberg, and I need to own this. <laughs> I need to own this. But I'm sure it's available on, like, Amazon and stuff, too, if it's that popular of a movie. Yeah. Plus, it's Diddy Harry in it. It does. Um, but I will say, this movie is probably going to be really divisive with our listeners. Uh-oh. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be like, this movie was crazy and I loved it and other people are going to watch it and go that movie was crazy what the fuck did I just watch uh so yeah all right well that might even we might even divide over those lines (laughs) all right join us won't you mind the doors why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Max Wren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images. <laughs> I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination to the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome, starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. We have just returned. We have just returned from watching. We have just returned from watching Videodrome. Sorry, I'm never not going to think of Oliver Reed when I think of David Cronenberg from now on. They only did one movie together. It doesn't matter. It was the shortest little... Guys, the robe that he wore, and it was just so small. There's so many actors we could... And Mm -hmm. people that we could talk uh, in conjunction He was not in today's movie, which was Videodrome. But you know who was? Debbie Harry. Oh, yeah. Whatever him (laughs) too. Yeah, I saw a half-naked James Woods. And I don't mean top half or bottom half. I mean, I like saw his entire half. left side, I was and it was weirdly, not something I needed. I was weirdly aroused. Ugh. Actually, I wasn't. I was really like, Ugh. I looked at you, and, I, and when that scene, I was like, I'm super uncomfortable with James Wood's James Wood nudity. Yeah, it was not. Mm, it's not my like thing. It. Not my thing. However, Debbie Harry of Blondie did an excellent job. I was really surprised. 
Oh, as far as acting? Yeah. She did a wonderful job. Uh, James Woods did a great job, too. Yeah, yeah. Because he played a smarmy dick. guy. Yeah, so that's why he did such but a good had, job. But he had an arc. Like, mm-hmm. He was the only one in the movie that had an arc, I would say. Well, yeah. I say that. I, he's the only one in the movie that had an arc. Yes, he is. But Debbie Harry is a... Maybe hallucination the entire time. But she in that machine. really loves... Sex and pain and BDSM mm-hmm. and blood play and I was gonna say getting it, stabbed yeah. and it's a whole thing. There's an erotic ear piercing, <laughs> this, ear piercing. This movie. It was something. This movie. I I do understand. I think I said that right at the end was when we were finished watching it. I get the Clockwork Orange comment in the open in the first half. Who did who did we say said that? Somebody had said it was the Clockwork Orange for the for the new era, and yes. Yes, it was. Is? It was Andy Warhol. Yeah, yeah, apt. That is correct. Andy freaking Warhol. All right, so I'm going to try and recap the plot as best I can. Pittsburgh's end. So this is a movie about the dangers of technology and the dangers of... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The subtle, subtle messaging. Does that make sense? What word is it? What word am I looking for? Subliminal. Subliminal, yeah. The dangers of subliminal messaging. Thank you. Um, a smarmy, small town producer, or small, like producer of a small channel. Cause it's the dawn. It's not even the dawn of the internet. It's not even, it's the dawn of cable TV. So, I mean, we're talking early, early technology. Um, and he wants to kick it up a notch. And he thinks the next big thing is to go from like, softcore skinemax to more hardcore stuff which leads him to discover this what we would call like you know um black or you know deep web shit but instead of deep web it's like a subtle it's a scrambled cable station that they can pull and it has people being tortured and you know torture porn and my first thought, because I'm a child of the, you know, in this new technology world, was like, yeah, that's not acting. Like, they were, like everyone was so surprised. Oh, this acting's phenomenal. And the whole time, like, why would you not think, oh, this is real? But I, I'm so ingrained and used to the internet. And, oh, yeah, that's, that is real. And they, it's that. So and you basically... Can, you can watch people get their heads cut off yeah. by, like, Muslim extremists on the internet if you know where to go. Yeah, deep, deep way shit. You want to see that. Um, so basically, so it, and it is a very clockwork orange. It's really hard to kind of, you know, put this on the pyramid of, you know, rising action, climax, falling action sort of a thing. But it's an allegory for too much technology will leave you susceptible to the subliminal messaging in technology. And this guy who got too deep uh, ends up becoming reprogrammed and he kills people and then eventually kills himself that's the best i got that's the best <laughs> and that's say, you were doing a really good job describing the themes of this movie but not necessarily the, the well because it, it goes everywhere i mean every right when you think that right as i think like oh okay sh- this is what happened to her then it's like oh wait no she might have just been totally fictional and then wait this whole thing might be and i'm doing the best i can there's with the no plot, 
short description. No. There's no, like, three... There's no way to describe the plot of this movie in three sentences without you having seen it and, and <sighs> the touchstones. I'll give you a um, breakdown, breakdown from IMDb. And it's a little on the longer side compared to some of the other ones, but I think this will kind of help people. Um <clears throat> The president of Civic TV Channel 83, Max Wren, and that's James, James Woods, Woods, is always looking for new cheap and erotic movies for his station when his employee Harlan decodes a pirate video broadcast showing torture, murder, and mutilation called Videodrome, which is from Pittsburgh. Um, well, they originally, I think it sounded like Malaysia. Yeah. Ooh. Max becomes obsessed uh, to get the series for his channel. He contacts his supplier, Masha, and asks her to find the oh, party responsible for the transmission. A couple of days later... She tells him that Video Dreams is real snuff. Um, it's like a, it's like snuff TV. Um, Max's sadomasochistic girlfriend, Nikki Brand, decides to travel to Pittsburgh, where the show is based, to audition. Max fro- uh, investigates further, and through a video by the media prophet Brian Oblivion, learns that the TV screens are the retina of the mind's eye being part of the brain, and Video Dream transmissions create a brain tumor in the viewer, changing their reality through video hallucinations. Right. Boom. I guess. And then it does end with <clears throat> him killing himself. It's a thing. This, he kills this, the plot three of this movie people? Is Four. a lot. It, this movie's an hour and like 27 minutes long. And it did not, it felt like. And there's a lot that happened in it. <sighs> yeah. Uh, it's definitely not like a, oh, it's like a little short, quick. It, there's layers to this movie. I would not recommend watching this movie while under any sort of like hallucinogens or even just like marijuana i on the other hand we kind of talked about that i was like oh you know like clockwork orange and the wall those are the big movies to watch i recommend eating a lot of drugs and watching this movie no watch it sober first so you kind of know what's coming and then watch it on drugs when i was in high school that was the thing was the wall pink floyd's the wall clockwork orange and uh what was the woody harrelson killer movie natural born killers natural born killers get you know trip out on acid or mushrooms and then watch one of those movies. This has more... I would not do that here. ...common with natural born killers as far as, like, the, the idea of video... Right. pop culture and more so than, like, Clockwork Orange, I think. hmm But this movie runs on something that I find disturbing. Which we is? We talked about it, which is nightmare logic. hmm The idea of... Your worst nightmare being real? It... Uh, we reach a point in midway through this movie where it's like, this is all crazy nightmare mm-hmm. shit. And he can't, it's like being in a nightmare you can't wake up from. And it gets progressively worse. And it's like, oh, this is not going to end well. Like, there's no way this movie's going to end well for any of the people involved. Uh, we stayed through it to the end. Yeah, we did. I tried. I did. I will say, looking, you know, we had the benefit of hindsight watching, you know, reading this, reading this movie, watching this movie. Um, I, I actually didn't even watch it. I just got a transcript. Okay, and cool, read it. cool, 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 cool. Um, we have the hind- we have the benefit of hindsight of like Cronenberg did accurately predict a lot. We know now if you're exposed yes. to violence over and over and over again, we are in the future. Well, what? Like I said, all this was very new. It was the dawn of cable TV, uh, so there was no way for them to correctly know. Things like um, Oblivion says, you know, in the future, we're, we're, we won't even go by our names. You'll go by a, a predetermined, he doesn't say screen name, but, but it's essentially, essentially he said, yeah, like the idea like of a, a screen moniker. name. To this day, uh, when I was in college, 
everyone had AOL Instant Messenger. Uh, that's how old I am. And I can probably, I still remember most of my friends' screen names because we didn't have cell phones. We were on a college campus, so we had like the people's extensions to call or just send them a message on Instant Messenger. And that's what we did. And Messenger won out over ICQ because ICQ had to know like a little string of numbers. Yeah. And this was just a screen. Everyone was like, oh, love it all that. I was Cindy Curl. I was Josh Sepp Rules. <laughs> nice. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, I got it from O'Doyle Rules. O'Doyle Rules. <laughs> O'Doyle Rules. Yeah. From Billy Madison. There are a... Mm. You know, if you're trying to find a way to sell this movie to the masses, Cindy, I'm just going to say two This words. is what people were afraid... Stomach vagina. Ugh. James Woods grows a full-on stomach yes, he does. vagina that people feed Betamax tapes into it. that's how early... This is before even they determined VHS versus Betamax. Yeah. Well, there was a little bit of both they, in this movie. I think they knew in 83... This was shot in 81. They knew that, that it was leaning slightly towards VHS because porn had gone with VHS. Yeah. But Betamax tapes were so much smaller that it they did. could fit inside the appliance they made for his stomach. Well, yeah. But like when they Just go... for so physical sense. Obliv- Oblivion. We've, we learned later that Oblivion had passed away like two years ago. And every time that you see him on TV, his daughter... Like he had thousands and thousands of... He filmed himself talking, and his daughter would just edit together pieces so that it, it was like he was having a conversation with someone, you know, and he was on the monitor. Um, but in that library, there were both VHS and Betamax uh, cassettes, because, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't just like a nice little row. It was like the jagged, yeah. tall, short, tall, short. Uh, in several forms of media. I would sell this to the media. I would sell this to people now as... This is what people in the 70s and 80s thought was going to happen with if technology kept going the way it was going. And they were right for a lot. Like, we know people that are exposed to a lot of violence in video games, in TV, have, they, not necessarily they'll be violent, but they kind of become numb to it. Um, we know that people use the internet for anonymity to get away with saying some pretty shitty things. Um, the video drum itself, like we just said, video drum is nothing. I mean, it's lightweight compared to the shit you can find on the dark web. Now, like, do you think this movie is pro or anti censorship? I don't think it's. I don't think it makes a clear message about censorship. I think it's more of you need to know what you're getting involved in. If you choose to watch this shit, that's fine, but you're going to grow a stomach vagina. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's more of a warning. See, I, I didn't think of it as... I don't think Cronenberg painted himself into a corner saying think, censorship is right or wrong. I think Cronenberg has a theme that continues into this movie that we don't really talked about. Because we talked a lot about generational trauma. And mm-hmm. We talked a lot about like his personal life. But there's a recurring theme in Cronenberg movies where the establishment is evil. Right? Mm-hmm. Like the there really the isn't site. an establishment though. But there is in this movie. There's 100 percent an establishment. Who? So James Woods is a sleazy peddler of late night shows. Right. And he was based on a real. His station was based on a real station in Toronto. And Cronenberg talked about at night TV would be over at like 11. 
So you would get, after Canadian TV just went away at 11 o'clock, you would get these crazy broadcasts mm-hmm. come in from, like, America. And they'd be, like, half-scrambled, and he'd be like, what the fuck am I watching? So Because Americans and, are so And violent. that's essentially James Woods, is collecting the stuff, pirating illegally all the stuff that he's collecting off the airwaves, and then replaying it to try to get an audience based off of, like, more extreme stuff. Right. But the bad guys of the movie are the people who created Videodrome. And the people who created Videodrome are Brian Oblivion, who mm-hmm. is represents a church. Right? Okay. And Barry Convex, yeah. who represents the government. The, yeah, the church was... Um, you had to explain to me the name of the... It's the name of the tubes that were used in the old... The cathode ray yeah. uh, ministry or whatever. But when my grandfather passed away... Man, my mom found boxes and boxes of those old, they're called vacuum tubes. Yeah. Uh, boxes of them. Because, you know, it's kind of what he did was, that's not not video term, you know, uh, ham radio, amateur radio, television type things, uh, that sort of electronics. You couldn't give that shit away because we don't even use them anymore. So if, if you will follow me down a... Rabbit hole? Liberal wackadoo rabbit hole for a second. I always do, darling. <laughs> I hold your hand as we go. James Woods is the hero of this movie. Not the hero, but the lead of the movie. He's the protagonist. Right? Um, it's like I tell my students, the protagonist does not mean he's the hero. And the antagonists are a guy who represents a church who created Videodrome and the government who created it alongside him, right? Right. And the whole thing about Videodrome is... He thinks it's being broadcast live, and it's not. He's being shown tapes by Harlan, his assistant, because they're prepping his station to take it over. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a government and religious takeover of a news station that they're going to show this show. So anyone mm -hmm. who is like him, who is attracted to this, like, darker stuff, is going to go crazy, and they'll be able to use them forever they want. I... It reads a lot with, like, what is going on with, like, Fox and CNN, where there's these bases. Yeah. And they're just constantly feeding them, and then they can get them whipped up over stuff. We talked in... I was getting ready to graduate college when 9-11 happened, and that was something that people really... We had to have, like, long talks about it, like, public talks about You need to turn the news off. Do you remember that at all? Like... I think even South Park did an episode about people were just replaying and like watching the news 24-7 for weeks after 9-11. And we were becoming like paranoid, crazy people. uh, And it was like, no, 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 you got to turn the TV off now. Turn the TV off, guys. It's okay. I was drinking a lot and partying. So it didn't really, I mean, I don't want to be like it didn't affect me, but I didn't sit around and. You had a different experience. 9-11 for like months after I just was like. This is fucking crazy. Like, whoa. And then dude. the next day we were all like, let's get drunk. No, man. It, Party time. It changed my whole life just because of where it hit in my timeline. So we know that if you're constantly exposing yourself to, I mean, it just, it rewires you. It, it, it just, not just whether for good or for bad, but we know that it does rewire you. Um, and it totally rewires James Wood's body. Completely, It makes yeah. him the opposite. It, it takes a guy who, at the beginning of the movie, he's very masculine. is very, like, slapping his oh, the ladies on the butt. The sexual and harassment, like, and, like, uh, calling him kitten uh, and stuff. Oh, it was disgusting. So the idea that 
Ugh, he I would forgot about that. Grow a vagina on his stomach, which is definitely exactly what a happens. feminine trait, right? <laughs> so well, I mean, yeah, it rewires him to be the opposite of what he was before. Uh, I don't know. You're still pretty much a sleazebag in my world. No, I mean a sleazebag, but no, I, I he's like hyper masculine, like the '80s go getter. Like I started my own company. What's up, babe? Like yeah. slapping girls on the ass. Like you know, yeah. I run this motherfucker, and then suddenly he's has no concept of who he is anymore. He's starts to lose all of his self identity. Um, grows a vagina. Mm-hmm. You know, for a guy who was like, then we've all known those like hyper masculine, like you know. I don't have any emotions other than crying or other than like other anger. than I don't ever like anger and fucking. That's yeah. all I got. Um, Party maybe, but that leads to then, fucking. And then it's he's also a guy who is not, he isn't, he's drawn to violence mm-hmm. on the screen, but he's not, not a in violent real life. person in real life. Right. So he has, uh, the, in what I think is the most Canadian part of this movie, he has just a small little handgun. And when he, he decides he needs to protect himself as he's discovering more and more about Videodrome. And he gets this gun and like he picks it up and the magazine falls out. Yeah, and he's, he's like, like, he has, he's, he's comically he's like bad an, at you. Yeah, he's like an infomercial example. And then it becomes physically a, a part, part of, of his him. body. Right, it becomes his right hand. It grows into his body, into his hand. And then at, by the end of the movie, he starts killing all the these people for the government. Mm-hmm. And then... And then the church flips him, and he starts killing for, for the, the church. church. So it, I think it's saying that you, like you have these two big establishments that were supposed to be separate, and they're, they're always working together, right? And they're both up to no good. Yeah, they just want yeah, they both want you to hurt the other one. I mean, look at the movies we watched this month. Shivers is <laughs> Shivers a bunch is of people are Shivers. having sex because there is a. A parasite that was created by a guy who was like, humans are getting too uppity. Yep. I'm a crazy smart person. I'm going to take Oh, yeah. In Videodrome, the impetus behind creating Videodrome was that North America was becoming too soft. And we the rest of the world is toughening up. Getting rid of some, right. of these, some of these like wasteoids or whatever they're, they refer to them as. The brood is, the bad guy is a psychiatrist who accidentally gives this lady the power. <laughs> the power to create anger yeah. babies. I mean, so it, there's just... There's, there is the message being put out here. This constant thing with Cronenberg where it's like the people in power scanners right mm-hmm. they pour they pull this poor homeless guy yes and this large corporation has him pitted against this like underground network of other scanners who he should be friends with and it co- what does it cost him he has to switch bodies and he's all fucked up at the end of it the ruins movie. him like there is definitely a theme I forgot that he switched bodies Cronenberg yeah Cronenberg movies of the establishment the status quo doesn't give a fuck about you and not only do in most cases they don't give a fuck about you they have they have the opposite of your best interest in mind it's true i've uh yeah i i guess had i had a you know everybody brings their own sort of thing to the table i was never raised to ever assume the government or anybody was out for my own well-being other than myself you know like the world doesn't care that you have a learning disability. The world doesn't care. You know, doesn't care. You need to fix yourself for the world. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, like I have to have things in Roy G. Biv order. It's a, it's a very, very small little tip of OCD. Um, but I was always taught like, yeah, then you need to deal with it. Like the world, nobody is going to kowtow to you. But just fucking, if you want it that way, then cool, make it that way. Don't get upset because people aren't doing what you want them to do. But that's now. I think... No, that's how I've always Going been. into the, I'm saying going into the 80s, mm-hmm. 
I think people still, there was still a large section of this country. I mean, obviously Nixon forever broke, <laughs> especially in America, the idea of like your, your government is looking yeah. out for you. But people still have this thing of like, you know, the government's not evil. Maybe it doesn't work right, but now we all, we take it as like scripture that the government's fucked up. Right. You know, rich people this don't want This is a movie right that I do not want to watch with my mother that's in 70 plus because it, I think it would fuck her up. But it would be interesting for her to give her perspective. Does that make sense? Like we were born after Nixon Agnew. We were born after Watergate. Like maybe, like you're saying, maybe that's it. Like I was never born to trust the government. I was always question it. Um, we always had like jokes about civil service and things like that. And we're so I guess it would be interesting. Jaded people. Right. Well, I grew up around a lot of jaded people. I guess it would be interesting to see or to hear her side of, yeah, these were real fears. These were real things we were worried about. These were real things we were concerned about. Not my family, because we had a TV and cable from the get. I mean, I, you look at today, right, and the stuff it predicted. I think we're not giving enough credit for predicting the idea of people have created yes. their own reality. Reality. Well, yeah, and then I said that when we were watching it. At one point, they have to record the hallucinations that James Cameron's character is having. James and Woods. James Woods, sorry. I wish James Cameron played the lead in this stuff. It would be interesting. Well, in my head, they're both kind of sleazeballs. Um, and it, it's virtual reality. It looks like, oh, that's what virtual reality is. Yep. And that crazy glowing orange helmet. Oh, yeah, uh, this is your little trivia. David Cronenberg inside that because James Woods was like, that thing will electrocute me. I am not putting it on. <laughs> Does James like, Woods talk it. about this movie? A little. Um, it's inter- I, I say that because with the invention of Twitter and 24-hour you know, media attention, we know his political leanings are pro-government, pro-cis white man. I know this you movie know? goes down as most people... Who know James Woods? This movie usually gets brought up. Like I know he's talked about it. I don't, he doesn't have any, like bad feelings. Well, it's, but it's just it's it's interesting. It's kind of I've I've always known James Woods as this conservative actor, but he he was in the, like he chose to be in this movie that like you said talks about these major themes of government and and anti church and now he's kind of pro that. It's, it's very Dennis Miller almost. Went from being the joke to being like, no, 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 this is, I don't know, just curious. Okay, my takeaway, I've already told you my takeaway. My takeaway is that this was a prediction of the future. I don't think it was about censorship. I think it, I, I think it did a good job of, I have to say it, it's actually Cronenberg because he wrote it and he directed it. Cronenberg did a good job of explaining, like, the, the choice is still in your hands. The government's not going to tell you whether to watch it or not to watch it. It's a choice. You can turn it off. You can turn it on. But just know, if you turn it on, this, this these are the consequences. Yeah. I feel like this movie is him talking about, in a way, pro-self-censorship. Of saying, like, you need to understand what your limits are. Mm-hmm. And you need to understand, like, if you live in this 24-7, this is it gonna is going to change you. Yeah. Right? For like, sure. He's but in record is saying like technology is an extension of the human being. It's not a separation of the human being. So I mean eventually it's gonna come home to roost. Mm-hmm. The idea of like 
technology will start replacing more and more aspects of our lives. Like we talked about if this movie was made now, it wouldn't be about cable, it would be about cell phones. Yeah, and the internet and things. And like having that. your cell phone glued to your hand twenty four seven. I mean, the idea of like holding your cell phone all the time in your hand is very similar to him like having the gun the gun out in of his hand. Right. Like, mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah. It's it the internet doesn't give you it's a very natural and very human thing to change and to evolve as a person. But the internet kind of leaves this paper trail of who you were. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons I'm giving up social media is because people that I knew in high school or in college, now that I'm older, think that I'm still that person. Does that make sense? Like they, they have an image of you in their head of when you were in their life. And so on social media, if you don't, if what you say and what you post doesn't line up with the vision of you that they have, does that make like like there's no, there's kind of a disconnect there? My, and to me, it's it's less the people I grew I went to high school with, but more like my family, that like my cousins and stuff that I grew up with I haven't seen in, in ages. They're like you know oh it was just this kid that loves movies and then they see my stuff on the internet and they're like oh he's still a kid that loves movies but boy he's got a lot of political opinions yeah that don't align with mine. No, I mean, my life has has been kind of topsy turvy, and I'm I am not the same person. You know, my life can kind of be chunked up into these little ten year chunks, and I kind of evolve and change every ten years. So if you are not actively in my life and know who I am, I'm not the scared kid who had to lie for every fucking thing she ever did. Because she was in that sort of a situation at her home. I'm not the, I need to please you. I need a guy in my life every 10 seconds that I was as a teenager and in my 20s. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I think I would which is fine. But don't talk, like, people still talk to you like yeah. you're that person. And it's like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm kind of a new agey hippie. Like, don't, I, I'm I not that person. That it's really unhealthy if you're the same person you were For, yeah, exactly. 20 years ago. But that's what people expect. You know what I mean? That's what people expect. I had somebody um, I went to high school with that I wasn't very nice to in high school. Um, People are picking on me. I found someone to pick on. And I've accepted that. I wasn't a good person. They've recently gone through some shit. And I've reached out to offer what I can, a.k.a. password to, like, Hulu and Disney+. Plus. You know, something small that I can help help them out with, with their family. And they kind of said, like, you know, why do you, why are you doing this? You know, we really didn't get along. And, and, and my response was, I'm not that person anymore, dude. Like I've, I'm sorry I did that to you. And I guess this is my way of just being like, Hey, I'm sorry. And let me help you how I can. Like we're all in this together. And we had, you know, that person, I had a conversation about how much they've changed and how, you know, unless it was just interesting. And so it's just this video, this movie Oh, wow. I, it kind of opened the floodgates, I guess. Um, yeah. It, this movie fucked me up last night, or the night that we watched it. You want to talk about uh, my karate chop self? <laughs> I mean, you, just, you were harder to sleep with than normal. Yeah. Just I, tossing it, and turning and tossing and turning. And it wasn't even like, what was that movie about? It was more like... I identified with pieces of the movie and then I was like, oh, why am I still remembering that? Like, I couldn't disconnect because it it did. It, it scarily, in 1981-83, predicted 
things that are happening, things that are going on. People are being, for lack of a better word, reprogrammed based on what they, like the whole fucking Facebook thing. Like we now have data that shows people who are on Facebook all the time, if you start putting out messages and start putting out certain ads to them, that's how they're gonna start believing. That's how they're gonna start feeling and it impacts things. And you're not that person, you know, it's a separate person, your online persona versus you. And yet things like Facebook and social media try to bridge that gap. And it's like, no, that that's not, I, I think what you're talking about is like self-censorship. Yeah. Right. The idea of like the internet can be a place where you see stories about like a kid in an African village went on the internet at a library and found out how to make a wind turbine. And oh yeah. And saved his. Powered his mm-hmm. entire village. You can also go on the internet and find like child porn and like how to make a bomb. Yeah. It's just how do you use this tool? Yes. Right? And yes. Then, and I think that this movie was, watch out, the government and religious groups will use this tool for bad. Yeah. Or, you know, they'll they'll just feed you and that's information not, and change your mindset. That's not me being anti-religion or anti-government. That's just history. You know what I mean? When... Renaissance, when beautiful works of art were super crazy popular, the church and the government used painters to paint, literally paint them in a good light and make things look, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's a different medium. It's historically accurate. I mean, the mm, idea of... This movie. Th- this movie says to me that the government and religion will work in combination mm-hmm. or opposed in opposing forces... And they will just feed you information and feed you to information get you to do until they, they polarize you in such a way that you lash out to their benefit. Correct. Right? Like that, That's a better way of putting it. The yeah. idea of, he, he doesn't know how to use a fucking gun at the beginning. Of at it. the beginning and at the and end, just this, part of his This body. guy who's like, you know, I'm in it to win it for me. I don't give a fuck about anyone else. At the end of the movie, he's just killing arbitrarily mm-hmm. for, at first, the um So the gun, when he's holding the it. Church. When he finally is programmed to kill for the government, the gun becomes, grows, think Star Trek The Next Generation, the Borg style, the gun grows and like becomes an extension of his hand with like these cables and wires and things. Yeah. And the, <clears throat> the, like the church, right? Mm-hmm. The church is represented by Brian Oblivion and that character was based on Marshall McLuhan. The professor who came up with this whole concept and taught classes about like media representation and what oh, yeah. television does to people. And Cronenberg had him; he was like a Canadian professor. But he based Barry Convex, the guy who's in charge of like that government group that created the um, Cronenberg, the guy who was in charge, the yeah. glasses guy. Yeah. Okay, and he based him on who didn't wear glasses? Who? Jim Baker, the televangelist. Oh, I can see that for sure. So, oh wow! Yes, the, and even the hair, the stuff he's wearing, the way that he talks when he's on stage. Wow! Yeah, Jim Baker was just in the news yesterday. Did you see why? Um, he was ordered by the federal government to stop selling cures for the coronavirus on oh, his televangelist please. website. Uh, <laughs> of course he was. Yeah. Uh, and interesting thing about this movie, Cindy. I don't think you did. You the think about Baker this? Died. What? Uh, yeah. Tammy Faye was a nice lady. Live forever, Joe Don Baker. No, right. No, Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye uh, was on the very first, what was that, the celebrity house thing with like, anyway, she 
she was a really wonderful and like she became really good friends with Ron Jeremy because they were roommates and like she's like I can appreciate what you do like it's not for me like that's not my thing like I love Jesus and I'm not going to look at that and I'm sorry you do that and I do pray for you but I really like you you're a nice person and he kind of opened her up to a lot of stuff she was a nice person and she passed away she had bad cancer Mm. meanwhile Jim Baker still alive selling the coronavirus cure most of the characters in this movie are the first time you meet them. I can't get off that Jim Baker thing because he even looks like right. them too. They appear on TV before they appear in real life in the movie. Correct. Oh, yeah. Barry Convex appears on the TV. Nikki. Um, is that her name? She appears on the TV. On the TV first. Um, Barry Convex, uh-huh. Ryan Oblivion, Nikki. Uh-huh. Um, his Secretary, yep. lady. They on all TV. appear on TV before they appear in real life. What's another thing that's kind of funny is the correct prediction that the people who are feeding you information and who are your heroes on, of media are kind of fucked up in the real world. So Debbie Harry's character, Nikki plays a radio therapist, I guess. Yeah. Like a Frasier. Yeah. Like a free. Yes. Like, like a, a Frasier. Like a bondage loving. Well, she, but you don't, she's like talking through, talking this woman through and she's like, you need to call and get help. Come on, baby. Like, listen to she, me. She you keeps can do that this. Lover. Lover. That's like, it. Ugh. I don't something like that word. Um, and this lady's like having it. She's like, okay, I'm going to call and get help. She's like, all right, I got, you know, like, we've got this. All right, all right love her. And then the next scene, she's like, got any porno? And she's like, put your cigarette out on me. Like, whoa. And it's like, let's fuck while we watch this dude get tortured on Videodrome. And then she's like, I'm going to go to Pittsburgh and try out for the show. And it's like, what the fuck are you doing? So this movie, for being so symbolic and having all this theme and all that, it does line up with the R-Cup formula, though. Like, the whole time we've been talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, that does. Yeah, that does. So Sam Ziarkov's method of selling uh, an exploitation film was based on his own last name. The anagram A-R-K-O-F-F. A was action. Yes. There's action. Right away. There's some shooting and... Shooting and... Even if there's not, like, the physical people running around, Cronenberg kind of cuts the way he edits things together. It's very fast. Does that make sense? This movie. So it feels... This movie moves a lot faster than right. the previous movies. Um, I was thinking about that because I was like, oh, there's not a whole lot of action until near the end. But like, you jump between the TV and this. and like It goes quick. I feel like it's definitely one in that R. Revolutionary, yes. Yes, yes, yes. 100%. This is new technology, man. At the time, let's see, of 1983... Nickelodeon was still called Pinwheel, and it was just its own channel of just Pinwheel's Playhouse all the time. Yeah, I know the history of Nickelodeon. I fucking love Pinwheel's Playhouse. And yeah, I was that kid who just sat in front of it and watched it. I was a child of TV. K, killing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of killing. Uh, Brian Convex, actually, when he gets shot, he gets cauliflower growing out of him. Do you remember that? Like, oh, like yeah. Like apart and... It looks like, if you've ever seen real human fat, it kind of looked like that was bubbling. Cauliflower is a better word for it. Yeah. I, I didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, oratory? Yeah, long sure. A lot flesh. of, yeah. Long live the new flesh. Come on, leather. Uh, yeah, they're just a lot of those little things. Um, is that what... Did James... You've never got James Woods to sign something, have you? No. I wish... If I, if I could, I would definitely have him sign... But he signed um, Sean... Was it Sean? Sean Clark. Uh, I would have him sign... 
a video drum Sean Clark of Horror's Hollowed Grounds. Sean Clark? Yeah. And I have him sign Salvador. So I love that movie too. Well, he's so, so Sean, kind of a, your buddy, not really mine. Not really. Oh, well. That's a very loose term. I've met him a few <laughs> times. I wouldn't say we're like we're friends. I wish we were friends, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, he, yeah, he signed. Long live the new flesh. Uh, fantasy and fornication. That's all this movie is. Is fantasy and fornication. So the line starts to blur quickly. Um, and I think, I think as soon as Nikki says that she's leaving to, for Pittsburgh, is when all the hallucinations and things start happening. Um, we watched a few fan theories on like YouTube about this movie because there is a lot to be said about it. Um, and one person said that the character of Nikki was a complete hallucination. She never existed outside of maybe the radio. Um, I don't know about that, but I mean, it, it would make sense because the idea of he sees her on the show and they have a conversation next thing they're like, and doing BDSM shit. Like, there's a jump, mm-hmm. um, so you could logically say like, she, I don't think this is the case, but you could make a case saying that he he hallucinates her into his life as a vessel to be okay with all the things he's into that he's not okay being okay with. Gotcha, that sort of thing, like a, you know, like people that create like a stage name and then the, I'm this person and I'm like flamboyant and I'm but I'm not crazy, in real life. But in real life, they're like meek and mild. Beyonce and Sasha Fierce. So I think that might be yeah. a thing. That might be. Uh, I don't know if I would watch this again. I would watch it again today. I, I might watch it again just so I can. Now that we like I said, we've watched some fan theories. Maybe look for some things. I would not watch this with my children. They are not ready for this. Ben asked. And I was like, no. No, <laughs> no, no, like, no. This movie will fuck you up. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard for me at 40 to be able to be like, wow, this is what they thought was going to happen. Well, they predicted it. And when I was watching things like, yeah, duh, that's that's probably real. They're, they're probably pulling homeless people off the street and killing them. That's where my head went because I know how the internet works. And I don't know how the internet works as well as the next generation. You know what I mean? So for him, it would just kind of be a given. Do we have any noteworthy and mentionables in this? Uh, I'd just like to point out that when he goes to the hotel to buy the Samurai Dreams that's in the very, very beginning, yeah. The Japanese guy he buys it off of, uh, David Sabuchi, Sabuchi he um, later became a minister in the Ontario provincial government. Nice. And he took a lot of hits in campaigns and debates about this being in this movie because they're like this movie's pornographic no "No, it's it's about pornography but it's not a pornographic movie so essentially like a senator okay senator like a like a equivalent of a senator okay um and he is an a bit part in this movie which i think is entertaining uh the only other thing i want to point out is um Mm-hmm. I think we got everything. Okay. So what's our next week episode? Is next week our last Cronenberg? It is. Cronenberg gets five, and this is it. What is it? It's Dead Ringers. It's from the get-go, when we first started, week one with shows, mm-hmm. this was my prediction of your favorite of the movies for the month was going to be Dead Ringers. Okay. Ah. All right. Well, next week we'll rank them, because I've been kind of in my head placing which ones I like best. So we'll see how that one works out. Okay. 
Well, you got anything else, babe? Yeah, I don't think so. Right. I'm just excited to get down to Dead Ringers now that... I was, I'm not going to lie, I was really nervous about Videodrome because there's so much going on. And I was yeah. like, I don't want to fuck up Videodrome. I don't want to fuck up a nap. Like, having you a conversation you do it justice. breaking this movie down. Yeah. Because it's a movie that isn't, like, super popular and super famous, um, but the fans are fans. Yeah. And I didn't want to blow this well, one. Well, upset them. Cool. Well, then, join us next week, won't you? Until then... I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. Yay. Long live the new flesh.